Hello and welcome to another episode of Right Care Baptist. I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. And I'm Amanda Comer. I'm a nurse practitioner and the system director for advanced practice providers. And today we're very excited to have Christy Gay here to talk to us about patient experience. Christy, welcome to the program. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. Christy, do you mind uh, telling the medical staff just a little bit about yourself and what you do for Baptist? Definitely. So uh, I'm coming up on my three-year anniversary at Baptist, and I have the opportunity to serve as the patient experience officer for the system. Uh, I've been in healthcare since uh, 2000. <laughs> uh, it kind of feels weird saying that, but I've been in healthcare for a long time. I actually didn't start off in patient experience. Um, I started off in the business office years and years ago. Um, but fortunately, I had the opportunity to start uh, working on some different service teams in the hospital that I was at. And that led to a position in customer relations. And I always tell people that was kind of whenever the heavens opened up and said, this is what you're supposed to do with your life. So I've been working in patient experience ever since then. I've been patient experience focused for probably about the past uh, uh, 16 or 17 years. Um, and it's definitely something that I love and feel like this was what I was meant to do. Um, I've had the opportunity to work for a couple of different health systems. I've also worked for on the vendor side of patient experience surveying, which allowed me the opportunity to work with many health systems across the United States. Um, so very blessed to be able to be here at Baptist now um, focused on patient experience. So most of us have have been a patient or had a family member that's been a patient and we have our expectation of experience, but what does patient experience really mean? That's a great question, Amanda, and I think uh, there's a lot of different definitions out there around patient experience. Um, I will tell you my least favorite definition is the plus stuff, <laughs> um, which I've heard a patient experience referred to. Uh, the definition that I, I like to ascribe to and one that I think really is a holistic definition of patient experience is one um, used by an organization called the Barrel Institute and uh, a lot of organizations have adopted it. Um, and that definition of patient experience is that it's the sum of all interactions shaped by an organization's culture that influence patient perceptions across the continuum of care. Um, so really that encompasses everything. So um, patient experience is really everything that goes or that the patient interacts, interacts with or um, has an experience with anytime that they come into our system or they interact with anyone in our system. No, there were just two words that stood out to me and that was culture and perception. And, and not that I have an explanation for that, but those two words stood out to me. And is there a reason, Christy, that those words stood out? Well, I think culture is one of those things that a lot of times in healthcare, um, you know, to be honest, and we, we view to some degree healthcare is very transactional, right? You come in, um, something's wrong, we take care of it, we try to fix it and um, be able to let you go back to your life, right? So it can feel very transactional. Culture is something that's really felt, um, and it doesn't mean that it doesn't include uh, those transactions or tasks, um, but a lot of times it's that feeling that you get uh, when you're interacting with um, someone or with an organization. Um, and perception is one of those, those key things as well, because 
a lot of times, just as we go into um, places of business, right, we might have an opinion about what's supposed to happen, um, but how that happens um, is what our perception is, right? And so that's really what a, a patient's thinking about, like, even though it may be very black and white what we're doing or not doing, what's the perception of what we're doing and more, even more so importantly, probably is how we're doing that. Yeah, uh, all that very important and, and pertinent to the, today's conversation. Um, you know, we've all heard about patient experience. Uh, all of us that are working in healthcare, we we know um, that we're being measured on it in some ways, but can you tell us just a little bit about the history of patient experience and why it's important? Definitely. So, you know, one thing I will point out is that uh, patient experience was also known as, or used to be known as, patient satisfaction. Uh, and uh, you still hear that term used a lot, um, but we have evolved over the years uh, to moving more to the term of patient experience, um, which I think kind of lends itself to that definition that we just talked about with that culture and that perception, really. What is that experience? Um, so the history of patient experience um, you know, I think that probably about uh, probably 25 years ago, I think, is whenever there was the first, it may have even been before that, um, a survey of really trying to gather what was the patient's perception of their care. Um, and then shortly thereafter, um, the government got involved <laughs> and decided that, uh, that the, the patient's perception or their perspective of their care um, was very important that that quality of care was very important to patient outcomes um, and just their overall experience um, versus, you know, for instance, how many patients you see or how many procedures that you're doing. So they developed um, a survey. Um, it's called the CAP survey. Um, we all you, refer to it as HCAPS for the inpatient uh, setting. Um, and just to get, tell you what that is, because it's a mouthful, it's Hospital Consumer Assessment of Healthcare Providers and Systems. There are also other CAP surveys um, in use right now. Um, the one that Baptist uses is the one for outpatient centers and sur outpatient surgery departments, um, otherwise known as OAS CAP. Um, so that survey, the HCAPs in particular for the inpatient, was something that started out as just um, pay for reporting. And part of the reason why uh, CMS put this in place is they felt that it was really important uh, that there was an opportunity for the healthcare consumer to be able to have um, comparable data on perspectives of care, not just um, necessarily outcomes, but also that perspective of care. Um, they also felt that it was important that there was public reporting. Um, and, you know, we can say that that in turn leads to some sense or level of accountability. And actually, that's part of the third reason why they wanted to put the HCAP survey in place is they wanted to enhance public accountability um, for that perspective of care. Um, so it evolved from a pay for reporting to a pay for performance. Um, and so hospitals um, utilizing the HCAP survey, they actually 20% of their value-based purchasing score um, is based on their performance on the HCAPS question. Um, and, you know, part of why they put that in place is, again, they wanted to make sure that that quality of care was incentivized rather than just the volume that the hospital was producing. So um, 
right now there's other CAPS products being put into play or being explored, but right now the only one that is the, the pay for performance is the inpatient um, setting. That's interesting. So do you see a correlation in quality outcomes compared to patient experience outcomes? So, you know, I mean, I think that a lot of times, um, well, the, the simple th answer is yes. Um, I think that we can see that whenever there is good patient experience, that there, there tends to be good quality outcomes. Um, one of the things that I've, I've tried to, to challenge folks to think about is that patient experience includes quality. It includes quality, safe care, and patient-centered care. Um, and I, I, again, I think sometimes, you know, we think of patient experience as something completely separate, but really it's, if we go back to that definition of sum of all interactions, that's our clinical interactions, that's our personal interactions, that's our communication, it's um, the information that we provide the patient, it's everything that we're doing goes into the patient experience. So of course, those um, quality outcomes are part of the patient experience. Um, what I would say is that a lot of, um, one of my favorite little taglines I like to say is how get you credit for what? So our, our quality outcomes are kind of the what piece of it um, and kind of the patient centeredness of patient experience is the how we go about that. That makes sense. That's a great explanation. So what would you say are the most important things to consider that impact our patient's experience? That's a great question and probably one that I could um, have quite a few lively conversations about uh, when it comes to that answer. You know, whenever you take a look at what matters most to our patients, um, one of the most important things is they want to feel like the person that they're interacting with um, sees them as another human being. Um, and so they want that personal connection. And if you think about it, that personal connection helps to drive and um, strengthen trust. Um, and we all know that um, trust is something that maybe has taken a little bit of a hit here lately with healthcare. Um, and so being able to establish that connection with our patients helps to establish that trust. And if you think about it, when there's trust involved, then oftentimes there's the, uh, it opens up um, the ability to listen more, to potentially be more, you know, compliant, um, to follow the advice um, of our clinicians. Um, so I think that first and foremost, that foundational element is connection. I think that that is one of the pieces that helps to drive. I, I also would be remiss if I didn't say that um, demonstrating empathy and compassion is a, a key piece of that. And I'll, I'll give you some backup to that here in just a second. Uh, the second thing that I would say that drives our patient experience is not going to be a surprise to anyone is communication. Um, in fact, if you were to look at the, the questions on the HCAP survey or any of our patient experience surveys, um, pretty much almost every single question can be tied back to some form of communication whether it's information that we provide, whether it's how we provide it, if it's with courtesy and respect, um, you know, down to just being able to listen, which is another key piece of communication. Um, so, you know, I, I try to think of patient experience as not being just something that's so unattainable. 
um, and something that we have to necessarily uh, stress ourselves out about because if we can just kind of think of it in those two those two components of you know connecting with um, people on a personal level and then making sure that we're communicating um, with them by both the words that we say as well as with what we're listening and hearing from them um, that's going to be the most impactful on patient experience i will tell you i recently had the opportunity to listen to a patient experience leader um, that works with hospitals across the united states and they shared that they had done a pretty in-depth analysis of comments um, from patients and really took a look at those comments to see what drives being able to give the highest rating on a, a patient experience survey question. And you know, a lot of times um, it's really easy for us to, to kind of play the blame game when we don't necessarily get that top uh, rating. Um, but what they found by looking at those comments and then looking at those that marked that highest rating is they found that empathy and compassion were the key drivers of getting that top rating, which, uh, you know, it's one of those things sometimes we, we, I don't know if folks would be comfortable with being like, is that really what's going to get us the top rating? But they were able to show evidence of that being drivers of that top rating. Now, they did find that um, sometimes the things that did, that drove not giving a top rating were operational items. Um, so kind of like the nuts and bolts of things. Um, and so, you know, it definitely makes the case that we need to pay attention to all of it. Um, but definitely when we think about what's going to drive that top rating the most, it's going to go back to that connection piece, that empathy and compassion. You know, I think those those are really good points. I, I know one of the one of the frustrating things that I can think of with patient experience is that it's hard to know who owns, I guess, that patient experience. If a patient is in the hospital for a week, they may have 10 or more individuals that are caring for them um, throughout their stay. You know, you got all the docs and nurses in the ED, docs and nurses on the floor, consultants, um, respiratory therapy, PT. Um, so there's a lot of different people that all have a piece of that patient experience. Um, how do you get everybody on the same page? How do you, how do you, I guess, organize in such a way that the patient has a consistent experience and across the board? Well, it's not easy. <laughs> it is definitely <laughs> something that uh, can be challenging. Uh, but you know, I think it, it goes back to embracing um, the ownership, right? Um, and if you again, that going back to that definition of the sum of all interactions. So if it's every interaction that means that everyone is an owner um and, and that's not to necessarily point fingers at it just means that i contribute to that overall experience that overall sum of all interactions um and you know getting folks to think about you know what do i how do i personally interact with a patient what is the piece that i can own when i know what drives a patient's um, perspective and what drives that patient feeling, you know, connected to the care. You know, whether I'm coming in to clean the room um, or maybe I'm coming in to provide physical therapy um, or maybe I'm coming in to follow up after a surgery. Um, and, uh, you know, there's so many, like you said, there's so many different roles and so many ways that we interact. 
I mean, you know, we could even make a case for the people that are behind the scenes that are helping to um, facilitate things that don't ever interact with the patient. Um, so, you know, I think ultimately it comes down to each and every single one of us thinking about, okay, what is the piece that I'm responsible for? Um, and then how do I take what I'm responsible for to think about the patient and how it impacts the patient, whether it's a face-to-face -face interaction or something um, that's, uh, you know, happening behind the scenes, knowing that it all goes in together. Um, so I think that that personal ownership is something that we want to challenge all, all of ourselves to, to embrace and not necessarily, you know, point our fingers to one role or another role saying they're the ones that own the patient experience. Of course, there are some roles that are in front of the patient a lot of time, you know, the large percentage of the time. Um, but again, as you said, there's so many people that interact with that patient that we, we've got to say, even if I only have 1%, at 1%, how do I make the most of that interaction? How do I own that piece, my piece of that patient's experience? Um, and I think that if we can get to 100% ownership across the board, um, that I think we'll be well on our way to really having a, a huge impact um, on the patient experience. Those are great examples. You know, I, I think about the scheduler or how patient experience can really begin um, before the patient ever comes in for the appointment. Like how easy was it to make an appointment? Right. What was the ease of access and um, that whole process? So so that's that's important. So can you give us specific examples or tips that we can use um, in relation to connection? And I, I think about being in the urgent care when, when mom asks for antibiotics for their child and, and it's not necessarily appropriate for their diagnosis. Can you give us specific tips to help providers? Definitely. You know, connection is one of those things um, we make it harder than what it, it, it should be. Um, you know, I think a lot of us, we all connect in our day-to-day -day life, whether we smile at someone um, when we're walking into the grocery store or maybe, you know, we hold a door open for someone, those are connections. Um, but, you know, I think that, that one of the best ways and uh, one tip that I've been trying to share with folks um, to establish at least, you know, uh, even if it's just a tiny connection is even like, well, tell me what you like to do when you're not in the hospital. <laughs> Um, and, you know, just showing a personal interest versus coming in and saying, well, what's wrong with you today? Or how are you, you know, what's going on? Why are you here? Um, and hopefully we wouldn't frame it that way. But, you know, just to, to show that interest in that person that they are somebody outside of the hospital. Um, we are all people outside of the hospital and outside, of, you know, outside of our role. Um, so just showing that you know, we're interested and, and want to know a little bit more. So, you know, tell me, tell me a little bit of what you like to do when you're not at the doctor's office or you're not at the hospital. I think that's a great way to start a conversation. And, you know, they may share something that you, you have a personal connection to, whether it's a favorite uh, sports team um, or, you know, that they like to go for walks in the park. I, I mean, it could just be anything like that. Um, great conversation. I know, Recently, I was in a patient's room and um, just turned around and saw there was a crayon drawing on the wall. Well, come to find out this uh, patient had 
uh, five great grandchildren and named them off for me. And so we had a, a fun conversation about um, the great grandchildren and how much they were wanting to see their meemaw get back home. Um, and so just even, you know, noticing little things like that can help to make a great connection. And then kind of the second part of your question, you know, asking about if, if potentially, you know, folks are don't maybe not necessarily willing to uh, consider uh, what we're putting forth as a, an option for them, whether it's uh, antibiotics or services. You know, I think I think a lot of times people tend to, if, if they come in and maybe have an idea or they want something different, a lot of times there's a story behind that. And I think sometimes the problem is, is that we don't find out what that story is or what that reason is. Um, and I'll, I'll just, uh, one little example, I was actually having a conversation today um, with um, a colleague and, you know, we were talking about the perception of patients being non-compliant. <laughs> Love that word, right? <laughs> uh, you know, that's a non-compliant patient. And, you know, we were talking about an example that I'd witnessed a few years ago where a patient was labeled as non-compliant for dialysis. Um, and so that was kind of the, the general attitude or, you know, the approach that we took with this patient. Well, when we did a little digging, we found out the reason for that noncompliance was there was no access to transportation for them to be able to get that outpatient dialysis. And so, you know, they weren't able to get the services they needed, and then they would just always end up back in the hospital. Um, but, you know, what I've witnessed a few years ago was just we just didn't dig far enough and so it was just oh well they're non-compliant they're always coming in so there's a story i just shared that because a lot of times there's a story behind it whether it's um someone that you know doesn't have the resources to do something or maybe you know they have knowledge based on previous experience of what uh you know works the best for them or for the person that they're with um, the important thing i think is that we take the time to listen um, and really be open-minded to what they're going to share. A lot of times people just want to be heard. Um, and so if they feel that you're listening to them, um, for the most part, you'll find that most folks will go along with what we might be recommending or what we might be prescribing or whatever it is, whatever it is as long as we've taken the time to listen and show them that we've heard and we've considered what they have to say. So let's move on to everybody's favorite topic, the pandemic. Um, it's, it's obviously had a huge impact in healthcare, and I'm sure it has had a huge impact on patient experience. Um, you know, how, how has it impacted patient experience? I, I, I can imagine with the, the longer lines, the longer waits, uh, the more restrictions of visitation, um, masking, and things of that nature, that it's going to be difficult for a patient to have a, a pleasant experience during during the pandemic. Tell us tell us what you've seen and ways we can mitigate it. Definitely, um, you know, it is it's uh, there's been so much impact that the pandemic has had, and and especially on the patient experience. And you know, we see that in national trends um, that uh, patients uh, we we've kind of seen that national trend overall kind of go down and I think we've seen that across all of our facilities in our different um, places that we um, provide services. Um, and you know there there's definitely 
a lot of things that have impacted that. Um, you know, access is a, a big piece that has taken a big hit in the pandemic. Um, that is, is definitely something, you know, especially, um, you know, if I think about even today, like myself, if I want to try to get in to see a physician, sometimes it takes a little while, right? Um, because of just the after effects and um, ongoing effects of the pandemic. Um, I think if we, you know, reflect back on um, all of the restrictions and the things that we did, um, which were completely um, appropriate and things that we needed to do to make sure that we kept everyone safe, um, I think the biggest impact um, is, is really kind of uh, going to go back to that connection piece, um, is that we really kind of... Well, maybe lost that ability to connect in a meaningful way because if you think about it we have a mask on our face now <laughs> um and so that the biggest way you can connect with someone is through your face um and how you interact with them and so that definitely put um, a barrier up to being able to connect with people and then um you know the, the whole piece of making sure that that we connect with people but then also provide them the right information um, you know, we wanted to keep everyone safe and justifiably so. So, um, you know, we didn't have visitors for a long period of time um, and um, caregivers to be in the room to be able to listen to information that, um, you know, our caregivers were providing. And so that definitely was a pretty big gap and had a pretty, you know, big impact on that overall patient experience, um, just being able to coordinate care with the caregiver and the patient and communicate all the very important information that needs to happen. Um, you know, I think I, I will say that there is um, hope <laughs> um, that we can get back to that, especially that connection piece and reestablishing um, those habits um, or maybe even establishing new habits of connecting with folks. You know, I also think, too, I would be remiss if I didn't say that there's been just the overall stress of the pandemic has had a huge impact on patient experience. Um, not only the stress of our caregivers, um, which, of course, is going to have a huge impact on our patient's experience, um, but also just the stress of our patients um, and the population coming in. Um, the pandemic overall has been, I think, stressful to our society at large. Um, and so um, whenever you're stressed out, you're not yourself. And so um, that can cause for some uh, very interesting situations, um, you know, with, with interactions going on. So, you know, I think that all of that, um, unfortunately, the pandemic, it just took a big swing and hit. Um, I won't say it hit it out of the ballpark, but it definitely took a big hit on our patient experience overall. Um, but I, I do believe that there is that there is definitely hope for us to be able to get back to, I don't want to say get back to uh, normal or get back to the way we were, because I think we've learned so much in this pandemic um, that we want to kind of establish what is our what is our path moving forward versus just going back to the way we were. But We've learned so much to be able to establish this path forward so that we can know what means what matters most to our patients and then be able to work together with them to figure out what's best 
um, for them, whether it's uh, an interaction uh, that's in an acute care setting or in an outpatient setting, um, but really be more sensitive to all that's going on with our patients and really be able to forge that new path. So thank you, Chrissy. That was that was great. Um, do you see any future trends that are that may shape patient experience, like for example, the use of technology? Yes, <laughs> very simple answer. So yes, I think that there is a piece of that. Um, I will, you know, put a little asterisk outside of that and say, um, while there's some amazing technology out there. Um, that impacts um, patient experience. Um, I think it, we can we can put all of these things in place. So you know, just a couple of things that I think about is, you know, electronic um, discharge teaching um, or videos or interactions with providers on electronic platforms, um, which is all great, very good stuff. Um, I think also what we're seeing. Um, with our future trends is we're also seeing a little bit more um, transparency um, with um, that patient's uh, perspective. Uh, so what I mean by that is that, you know, probably people have, um, you know, we go out and Google everything nowadays. Um, and so I think that people also do the same. It doesn't mean that they haven't done it before, but I think even more so we're moving into uh, a time period where people go out and they, they do Google things to, to see what um, are those perspectives on those with those providers or the services that they're wanting. And so I think that's going to continue to grow. Um, and I think that's definitely something that is going to influence um, our patient experience. Um, so all of that being said, my little asterisk is saying that although te that technology is really good and great, um, but I still also would say that um, our the way we interact with each other as human beings um, is definitely going to continue to be one of the, the highest priorities or the biggest influencer of that overall patient uh, perspective, that patient experience. I, th I think what she said was uh, improve the food, put Netflix on the TV and have you know, better sleeping <laughs> options for the fathers in the OB suites. I, I think that's what I heard. Right. <laughs> and I just Googled myself. I have 4.5 stars on Google. Well, well Christy, I do provide one-on-one -on -one coaching. <laughs> Thank well, goodness. Christy, thank you so much for, for coming on uh, and explaining this topic to us. Um, I feel like I have a better understanding of patient experience and, and how we can... Um, improve it at our organization um, and thank you everybody for listening to right here at baptist remember if you follow the link in the show notes you can redeem this episode for cme credit